Today, I'm sharing a word with you that will help you to grow and to help you to journey further in your Christian faith. Our bishop has shared a message with us last week about not being distracted. And prior to that, he talked about how to deal with and how to fight against discouragement. And the reason why I bring those messages up, because they're great foundation stones for our time today. If you have a Bible, and if not, the words will be on the screen, I'd like you to go to the book of Romans, and we're going to look at chapter 12, when we're going to read verses 9 through 21. And it reads as such. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor or hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, <laughs> feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Today, I want to talk with you a few moments on the title, There Is More. Some of you, if you've watched TV for any length of time, there are commercials, but then there are these things called infomercials. And it's where they're generally trying to sell you some product and they'll outline the product and what its benefits are and what its features are. And then at the end of it, before they tell you the price, or they may even tell you the price, but before they tell you how to order it, they'll go, wait, there is more. Well, that's what I want to say to you today. No matter where you are along the Christian journey, if you're just seeking, trying to figure this thing out, what does it mean to be a Christian? Maybe you're already a Christian and you've made that decision and you say, yes, I'm a believer and I'm walking with God. I want you to know that there is more. And I'm not talking about the more of God wants to give you more and he wants to shower on you all of these things. No, I'm talking about there is more to your Christian walk than where you are right now. 
in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of where we are, and we've been home for a while and not able to gather in person, and some of us are stuck on that and we're still waiting to come back together, and others of us have given up and said, oh, well, I'm, I'm just going to do the best that I can. I want you to understand that even in this space there is more, and that we are not, God is not asking of us to just sit and get comfortable or to be frustrated or to throw our hands up and walk away. But there is still a way that we can grow in our faith and grow in our Christian walk as believers. And the Apostle Paul here, he outlines what that more looks like. He's writing to the church in Rome. And Rome had a strong political structure. And Rome had its way of doing things. And they were a very strong powerhouse. And the Roman church, the Christians at, in Rome, sometimes they, they wrestled with certain things. And sometimes they wrestled with the law. And they wrestled with God's righteousness and what's right and what's wrong. And Paul is helping them to understand, hey, um, I want to give you some instructions about how you should behave and how you should be functioning and how you should live as a Christian that will help you to know some of the things that you should have and put in place. So as we pick up this verse, these verses, 9 through 16 in particular, Paul is outlining a Christian or a believer's responsibility to other believers. So there is a way we are to respond one to other, another. But he doesn't just leave off there. He doesn't just say, I want you to be clear about how you to behave with other people who believe the same way as you. Then in the next set of verses, 17 to 21, he's describing how we as believers should respond to people who don't believe. All of us have people around us who may not believe the same thing that we do. They may not share the same faith opinions. They may not share the same faith beliefs. They may not share the same opinions about race or how to vote or what to eat as us. And Paul gives instructions on this is how you should treat those people as well. And he starts by saying in verses 9 and 10, and he describes this is what we need more of. And I'm going to give you five things that I believe Paul is saying from this particular scripture, how he's instructing the Roman church and how that's applicable to us today. So beginning in verses 9 and 10, he says, let love be without hypocrisy. Or in some versions it says, let love be sincere. And I want to start by saying more love is needed. More, not less, more. You see, Paul puts a demand on us for love. And I know that that's a catchy phrase that we hear now. And some of you may remember a song that was by Diana Ross years ago, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And with all of the racial turmoil and the economic turmoil and the, with the health care crisis that we are under and all of the varied crises that are layered upon each other, the simple answer seems to be love. But what kind of love? See, Paul is not just talking about a love where I'm tolerating you or a love where I just say, you sit in your corner and do what you need to do. 
but he puts qualifiers. That word love in the Greek is an agape. It means that there's a special type of brotherly, there's a deep type of connection that can only be forged in the spirit. It requires the spirit of God in order to have that type of love. Paul is basing that on what we know in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, where we're told, beloved, let us love one another. Let us have that sincere infection, affection. Let us have that deep connection with one another, where we bear all things, hope all things, believe all things, as 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us. That scripture is not just for weddings, but that is to be a staple for how we're treating people who we know and love and live with and people who we don't even like. We're still required to have more love. Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. If you don't love, then you don't know God. But those who love know God because God is love. John 3.16, God so loved that he gave his son. The type of love that God had, he so loved that he gave. Do you have that so kind of love? Do we have, are we as people who name the name of Christ, are we loving in such a way? And Paul goes on to give specifics about that love. He said, let that love be sincere. Let it be unfeigned. That word feign means without false reputation, that we're not falsely acting like one thing. As hypocrites do, they act one way, they say one thing, but do something else. No, our love needs to be in alignment with our words. Our love needs to be in alignment alignment with our actions, genuine love. And that type of love, when you have that real type of love for someone, you hate what's evil, the evil stuff. No, 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 you're not co-signing evil. And we know what evil is. In fact, from the beginning in the book of Genesis, when God told man not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, man did so. So from then on, all of us, even small children, they know what's right from wrong. But more importantly, they know good from evil. And we, especially as adults, while children grow in their understanding of good and evil, we as adults really have a greater understanding of good and evil. And Paul is telling us here to abhor, to hate what is evil, but to cling to the good, to cling to it, that it, there's such a desperation for, I'm looking for the good. Where is the good? Let me cling to that. And in doing so, that we're giving more love, that we're being kindly affectionate one to another, and we're doing it in such a way that it's considered brotherly love. See, you thought brotherly love was just for the city of Philadelphia in the United States, but there's a type of love that we are to have for believers and then for people who don't know, who are still trying to figure this thing out. And even for those that say, I don't want your God. I don't want what God has to offer to me. There's still a way we're supposed to treat them. Now, right here in this section, though, God is, uh, the Apostle Paul is admonishing us. This is how we treat our neighbor. This is how we treat those who name the name of Christ, who are believers in Christ. In honor, we need to prefer them one to another. Prefer that person. Don't think that you're better than them. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't lift itself up. All of this comes together by Paul instructing the Roman church, I need you to love more. Those that are listening, how's your love walk? How are you loving in this season? 
Have you just kind of given up and said, oh, this is just the way I am, or this is just the way they are? Or are you giving, are you in the space where you're giving more love? Well, the second thing that I think Paul says in this, in this account, where he says, number two, is that's in verse 11 and 12. He goes on, he says, not lagging in diligence, but being fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. Secondly, there is more hope needed, more hope. Hope is an expectancy. Where you hope it doesn't rain, where you hope you expect. All of us have expectations. Some of those expectations are spoken, some are unspoken. And in this section, Paul is admonishing us to have some more hope, have more hope in the type of work that we do. And if we work and we're diligent in what we do and we're fervent in spirit, we have zeal, we can serve the Lord. We can serve the Lord, yes, even in digital spaces. You don't have to come to a building to serve the Lord. You don't have to walk around with a big cross or a big fat Bible to serve the Lord. It, it's more about the inward position of the heart, the inward position of expectancy, of hope that we're required to do so. That we're also patient in tribulation as we're going through, that we're not like, oh, I wish it would hurry up, but that we persevere. That word patience speaks to persevering. It speaks to remaining. It speaks to staying under and saying, I'm going to remain planted here. I am fixed. I am patient, even though, even though everything all around me is going crazy, I'm going to remain patient in tribulation. He goes on to say, stead, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Well, part of the way that we can have more hope is to remain steadfastly in prayer. I've heard statistics that in this season, many believers aren't praying as much. We've lost hope. We don't expect things to change. We're following the news reels. We're following uh, certain Twitter pages. And we've given up and we've lost hope in our spiritual fervency. And I want to say to you today, there is more. I want to encourage you to have more hope that this too will pass. And until it does, you can remain steadfast even in tribulation. To continue steadfast in prayer. How is your prayer life? I know I still have some unanswered prayers. I could throw up both hands and my feet. I have some prayers that I'm still believing God for. And I'm going to remain steadfast in prayer. And for those of you that may need a prayer push, I would encourage you to watch the movie War Room. And maybe you said, oh, I've watched it already. Watch it again. And maybe in this season, and I know for me, I'm revisiting my prayer strategy. I am some of the prayer strategies that I had for a few years ago, I need to update them. I need to change them. I have a place where I go to pray. I have a, a prayer book, and I'm updating those prayers because I need to change my strategy because I'm in a different season. And I would encourage you to, in this space of hope, and, and as you continue steadfast in prayer, that you would look at and examine your prayer life. And if your prayer life is going great, round of applause for you. And I would encourage you to remain steadfast. But if you're in a space where it's like prayer, I feel like it's a ritual. I'm not even doing it. I'm not feeling it anymore. Let me encourage you to press past your feelings. Don't allow your feelings to keep you hindered. More hope. Continue steadfast in prayer.
Then thirdly, Paul reminds the Roman church and is reminding us today that more hospitality is needed. He says that we need to make sure that we're distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. You see, in Bible times, Old and New Testament, hospitality was required of believers. If you say, I'm a Christian or I'm a believer, you were expected to open your home and to help out others. It was not, it, they didn't, could not perceive someone sitting down to eat a meal and someone around them not having food and you not offering someone else food. That was considered rude. And in fact, to be a leader, especially to be a leader in a church, in a ministry, to be considered a leader in the community, you had to first show hospitality. Leaders were some of the main ones that opened up their homes and were given and made sure that the needs of others were met. We as believers are required to look around us. Now we can't all give the same way, but we are supposed to be given to hospitality, to have a heart to see that the needs are being met. Some of us are meeting needs through prayer. Some of us are meeting needs of taking, I know people who are cooking for others and some people who have given gift cards for people to eat and others who are, um, it's hard to watch other people's kids right now, but some that are saying, all right, um, I'm, I'm at least, let me encourage you while you hope for a babysitter and someone to give you some space with your kids. But how can we be hospitable one to another, even in this season? Let me encourage you to say more hospitality is needed. And let me encourage you to look for creative ways where you can be hospitable. I know of some young people that are cooking meals, even young people, kids cooking meals from other, for others and having them dropped off so that somebody else doesn't, just a mother not having to cook a meal for her family, a single mom to be able to spend that time just hanging out or fellowshipping with her kids. So I want to encourage you to look at ways where you can be more hospitable. But wait, there is more. There's also, in verses 14 through 16, more faith is needed. And you might say, faith? How do you get faith out of this? Well, 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Verse 15, and weep with those who meet, weep. Be of the same mind one towards another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. You see, Paul was reminding, even as Jesus had given the Sermon on the Mount, there's a certain way that we need to treat others especially people that may not believe the same as you, and especially people who might seem like they are doing everything they can to get on your last nerve. We, as believers, are required to live in a way that is more, that we reply in a space of more faith. See, it takes faith to bless people who are persecuting you. And not to say, oh, bless their heart, but to bless them and to say, God, and to pray for them and to bless them and say, God, I bless this individual. They don't understand who I am. They don't understand who you've made me to be. They're questioning my identity. They're questioning my gifting. They're questioning what you've asked of me. But God, I bless them. I'm not going to persecute them. I'm going to bless them. They're persecuting me, but I'm choosing to bless them. 
I'm not going to think of myself higher than them. Or I have this, or I have that, and put them in a low place. No, I'm going to think humbly. And it doesn't mean you walk around and that you're stepped on, but that you see yourself as one who is dependent on God. That's what humble, part of what humble means is to depend on God. God, I'm depending on you, and I'm seeing you. And I'm not thinking myself to be more than the next person. But I see that individual. I see who you've made them to be. And maybe they don't see who they are in God yet. But I see their identity. And I'm speaking into their purpose. And I pray that they find a place to belong, a, a community of believers where they can belong. And maybe it's here. And maybe they will be one to Christ. Maybe they will make a decision for Christ because of how you bless them and not persecute them. But it takes faith. It requires faith to believe for the people around you. It requires faith. It requires some, some evidence there. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I need some evidence, God. I don't see what's happening right now. But God, my evidence is my faith and my trust and my belief in you. And so I say to you that there is more faith in this season, more faith coming to you. But wait, there's more. And here's the last one. And I think this is one of the more difficult ones. As I read this, I said, God, you required this. And as Paul said this to the Roman church, now you need to understand there was a lot of contention going on, sometimes even with the Roman government itself. And so Paul says, repay, in verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Number five, I believe that there's more power needed for self-control. More power for self-control. Because, see, it's easy to want to get vengeance. It's easy to, when you're driving somewhere and someone cuts you off and you want to toot the horn or you want to speed up and jump in front of them. It's easy now in this space of, of when we're in the store and you've got your mask on and you're trying to practice proper social distancing and someone gets in your space and you just want to just push your card on them or just take off your shoe or just smack them or just say something to them. But you have to pause and say, nope, I'm not going to repay evil for evil. They may, or maybe they were, didn't intend to do something evil against you. Maybe they did. But my space as a believer is not to walk and offer that repayment, or that in repayment or that in exchange for what they have done. But more self-control is needed. More self-control. The ability to control how we respond and how we react and to accept that as stated here in Romans, but first stated in Deuteronomy, that vengeance belongs to God. He alone will repay. And sometimes it's comforting. And sometimes we say, oh, God, you get him, you get him. And other times we have to go, we cry out for mercy. God, give them mercy, give them grace where they don't deserve it. But to put that in the place where God, where we walk in the space of temperance and we allow God to determine what that individual or what those individuals, what their steps will be. More power is needed for self-control.
We need to regard good things in the sight of all men and if at possible, live in peace. And we're still trying to figure this out. I don't think any of us have figured out how to live in peace with all men. With some people, it's easy, and other people, they seem to make it their life's mission to make it difficult to live in peace with them. But as believers, Paul is calling us out and saying, here's a list of particular things I'm asking of you. Here's more, there's more, there's more that I'm asking. Yes, I know this, and yes, I know that you love Jesus. Yes, I do, I love Jesus, how about you? But there's more that I'm requiring of you. There's more that I'm asking of you. I'm asking you. To if your enemy is hungry, to feed him. If he's thirsty, to give him drink. Because in doing so, you heap coals of fire on his head. Now, we are not doing this just for the sake of getting the end back at the enemy. But this is a process of, by doing the opposite of what you may have heard. Others may say to you, get back at them, you have a way, or even when you're presented with the opportunity to be able to get back at someone. Paul is admonishing us. Don't take that opportunity. Walk in self-control. Allow God to get the vengeance. Don't overcome. Verse 21, don't be overcome by evil. Evil is all around us. People are making evil decisions. And I'm not just talking about bad. I'm talking about evil. And evil is the space where people are doing things that they know are going to hurt you, that they know could cause you to turn from God. Evil is very ugly. Evil is something that if we're not careful, we can be tempted to do evil things to people, even as believers. But Paul, and so Paul is reminding us, because Roman Christians were doing some things that were a bit questionable. And so he's reminding them, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So I want you to pause because, and to say, are there places in my life where I've allowed evil to reign? And I've excused it too. This is just the way it is. But now God is saying there's more. I'm requiring more of you. I'm asking of you as a believer. Whether that person believes in Christ or not, I'm asking of you. And if you're not a believer, if you don't know who Jesus is, then today is an invitation for you to understand and to come into relationship with a God with not just a God, with God who's in his son, Jesus Christ, who says to you, I can give you power to overcome evil with good. I can be the more in your life that helps you to live in such a way where you are not fighting against your brother, your sister, your mother, your father. At work or even yourself. There is more. There is more that God is asking of us. And I want to challenge you today. I want to invite you today, if you can, to enter into a posture with me that positions you for the more. You see, you might say, well, what is that posture? Well, I want to invite you on your knees. See, when we're on our knees, it's, it's a place of humility. 
When you're on your knees, it positions you so that you can receive and to hear, but also it's a vulnerable place. It's hard to get up and run from here. You have to position again. But I want to ask you, if you want the more, to join me wherever you are. Some of you are watching outside, some of you are watching and then you may be in your car and you can't, maybe just listening and you can't be physically on your knees, but would you posture or position your heart in a way where you can give of yourself to the more? I know it's easy to think that that more means I'm gonna get more. And yes, there's more that you'll receive, but there's more to give. There's more that's required of this Christian walk than where we are right now. I want to ask you to pray with me. I want to ask you if you're comfortable, you can pray out loud where you are as well. Or if you want to pray quietly, you can do that. But pray with me. I want to speak life. I want to encourage. I want to build back up those of you who may have thought, this just can't be it. This, this can't be it. This, this is all there is to being a Christian? No, there's more. But it's gonna require some things of you. Will your heart and will your soul say yes? So in this position on our knees, we are quieting our heart. So I wanna invite you now to just quiet your heart. To quiet it your mind. Maybe you're thinking of this project and that thing and lunch you're about to have or dinner you're about to cook. Can you just pause from that? And will you join me in prayer? Father, today you have reminded us that there is more. More love, more hope, more faith, more self-control that you're requiring of us. As I'm on my knees, as we are on our knees praying. First, we ask that you would forgive us for where we've gotten comfortable, where we've been fearful, where we've just been lazy, where we've been so busy. But our spirit is saying there's more. This can't be it. There's, there's got to be more. And you're saying your response to us today, yes, there is more. I need more of you. I need you to love more. And not, you're not telling us, God, to do that doing is going to make the difference. You're asking us to be your sons and to be your daughters. So I pray for my brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters, who today have been in a place of discouragement or maybe have been busy and just distracted and now have quieted themselves to say, yes, I'm in position to receive the more. And for some, that more might come through different opportunities in their vocation. For some, it might come through different opportunities at home. For some, it might come through opportunities just in the grocery store, driving, walking down the street. I'm not, I don't know where it's gonna come, but God, and some it might just come alone at home on the computer. I pray that those spaces for more, where they can show more hospitality, where they can operate in more self-control, where more faith to believe you 
for the unanswered prayers yet to come, for the healings in their bodies, for some that have lost hope about some of the racial issues that are going on. I pray that you would remind them that there is more. We posture ourselves accordingly. And Father, we say we're ready for the more. We're ready for the more. We are ready for the more. Stretch us. Enlarge our thinking. Enlarge our hearts that we can receive all that you want to impart to us, not just for us, but that we can then impart to others and that the kingdom of God can be expanded, that the kingdom of God can grow and continue to flourish in digital spaces, in physical spaces, however you decide it will be. We say yes. Our heart and our souls say yes. We thank you, Father, and we bless you, and we honor you as we've postured ourselves for the more. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer and answering. In Jesus' name, amen.